Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, labor shortages and rising employer costs have been a major story of the past year, but a new survey finds an IRS tax credit aimed at helping small businesses with these challenges may go unclaimed by many who could benefit the most. Also this morning, to your health, many families must account for a loved one's food allergies during holiday gatherings, but food sensitivities are even more common and, although not as dangerous, are medically significant and not always recognized. We'll learn more. And new year, new activities and programs from the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will join us to talk about what's happening in the month of January. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. I have to admit, I am uh, working on very little sleep uh, this morning. Uh, Like most football fans, I spent uh, even maybe even more than most football fans, because as I, I think everybody knows, I am a huge Cincinnati Bengals fan. And so I spent the entire day yesterday getting psyched up for the Monday night football game, the Bengals and the Bills. I mean, it's a huge game, huge implications for the playoffs. Bengals could get the uh, number one seed uh, and get that first round by and, and hosting the road to the Super Bowl goes to Cincinnati. To all of this on the line, I was completely psyched. Maybe the biggest regular season game in ever in Cincinnati. And uh, I even took a nap yesterday so that I could uh, stay up and, and watch the entire game because usually with my schedule, <laughs> uh, I'm lucky if I can make it to halftime. And I was bound to determine I was going to watch the entire game. And uh, so I was all psyched up. I was ready to go. And it started off very well for the Bengals. Uh, up, you know, scoring on that opening drive and then uh, driving you know, looking pretty good in that second drive. And then suddenly, just like that, football didn't mean anything. It was, it just turned on a dime. Uh, such an incredible uh, moment. And, uh, well, what do you say uh, at, a, at a time like this? The uh, NFL says there will be no further updates at this time on Bill safety to Mar Hamlin. NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent spoke with reporters on a conference call last night, late last night. Uh, Actually, I think in the wee hours of uh, this morning and uh, said no further updates at this time. And uh, Troy Vincent said that it never actually crossed anyone's mind at the league office to resume the game after what happened. And uh, there was some confusion as to whether the game would resume, but uh, the NFL said it was never an option. The game was uh, postponed, and and my understanding is the reason why it took so long to postpone the game uh, was because they just didn't know what to say and how to say it, and they were trying to get all of their ducks in a row. But the uh, game postponed. Um, Hamlin remains in critical condition at uh, UC Medical Center in Cincinnati. Interestingly, um, as I understand it, the rest of the team, and I'm sure that there are team officials that stayed in Cincinnati uh, with uh, Damar Hamlin and his family, but the bulk of the team, actually, they're back in Buffalo. From what I understand, they landed in Buffalo, the uh, team plane got back to Buffalo in the wee hours of the morning after uh, the players left the stadium. So the idea of resuming the game today uh, would seem to be off the table because the because the team is back in Buffalo. They're not even in Cincinnati anymore. So as to what might happen with this game, if it gets resumed, when it gets resumed, is anybody's guess, but that is all secondary at this point, and uh, thoughts and prayers for the entire, not just the Buffalo Bills community, the NFL community, the entire sports community, uh, rallying around uh, Damar Hamlin. And I don't know if you uh, happen to see this. This is one of those times when people want to do anything 
They just want to do something or feel like they are doing something to tangibly support Damar Hamlin and his family. A toy drive, a Christmas toy drive organized by Damar Hamlin has seen an explosion of donations uh, since, what, 9 o'clock last night. A GoFundMe campaign, which had a goal of $2,500 to raise money for a Christmas toy drive that Damar Hamlin set up, has now raised over $3.1 million as of this morning. Um, It was actually a GoFundMe that he set up a couple of years ago before he, uh, right before he turned pro is what I understand. And uh, it had just been out there with a goal of $2,500, and it is now up to $3.1 million and growing. Uh, and it is still open. And what's amazing to me is it's, it's not, I mean, there are a handful of big donations, but it's mostly $5, $10, $20 from well-wishers who just want to do something. So if you are so inclined, uh, that would be uh, one way that you can... Show your support and show your love uh, for Damar Hamlin and his family, and I'm sure that they will be eternally grateful uh, for that outpouring of support. So, so as I said, I, I'm kind of uh, working on not a whole lot of sleep because even after I turned in and I watched uh, all of the uh, post-game coverage uh, until I think around 11 o'clock, which is well past my bedtime, hoping that there might be some sort of update uh, on Damar Hamlin, on what the NFL may do, you know, and and none of that happened. I guess it would just kind of silly to think that there might be any more information last night. But then even after I turned in, I just couldn't sleep. You know, it's you, you see something like that, and it just it rattles you. It just uh, shakes you to your core. So uh, thoughts and prayers for uh, all involved. By the way, speaking of football, uh, what a crusher for the Ohio State Buckeyes the other night on New Year's Eve. Oh, my goodness. Uh, What can you say? I mean, it was an incredible game. Really, uh, both college football semifinal games were incredible uh, Saturday night. But uh, the uh, Buckeyes and Bulldogs game was just absolutely crushing for Ohio State fans. So then it was uh, it was kind of funny. I saw somebody uh, earlier yesterday posted uh, on social media, ESPN took some heat for scheduling the games. I don't know how much uh, influence ESPN has on you know the start times for all of these games, but uh, there was some criticism because the game ended, the Buckeyes, the Ohio State-Georgia game, uh, ended right at the stroke of midnight, and somebody posted on social media, it wasn't fair. Uh, football fans didn't get to see the ball drop. And uh, a very astute Buckeyes fan posted, uh, yes, we all saw the ball drop. It was wide left. (laughs) So, yeah, we saw it. It was just not the ball drop we uh, had hoped uh, to see. But then yesterday, uh, did you happen to see the end of the USC Tulane game? A green wave indeed in the Cotton Bowl as USC who had led the entire game, allowed Tulane to score a touchdown with eight seconds left, and they ended up winning the game by one point. And I thought to myself, USC is going to fit right in at the Big Ten. When they get uh, into the league, they're in a, <laughs> they get into the conference, they're going to fit right in, losing by one point with eight seconds left in the game. They are going to fit right in. That's it. Uh, let's see what else is going on in the world. Oh, hey, uh, Congress, uh, uh, reconvenes, uh, today in the house of representatives, a lot of drama. Uh, apparently the Republicans who are now in the majority, uh, may not be able to decide on who will be speaker of the house. Will it be Kevin McCarthy? Will it be somebody else? Um, they're set to take a vote on who will be speaker today, and the word is that they may not be able to agree uh, on who will take up that role. Although I'm, 
I guess from what I hear, Kevin McCarthy has already moved into the speaker's office, <laughs> but they he may not get enough votes, uh, which means that the House of Representatives won't be able to do anything. They will be paralyzed until they can choose a speaker. And who knows how long that might be. And I thought to myself, already the Republicans are delivering on their promise to make things better. So <laughs> Congress isn't able to do anything. That's not such a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, uh, this is big news. This is definitely one of the first things that you need to know this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Lake Superior State University has released its list of banished words for 2023. The words to retire from your vocabulary in the year ahead. Now, every year, they search for words and phrases that are imprecise, trite, and meaningless, and they put forth this list of banished words, words that are banished in the new year. The number one phrase to retire in 2023 Goat. Goat, as in greatest of all time, which can be applied to everyone and everything from athletes to chicken wings. And it's just been overused and it needs to go away. The goat. So let's stop using that. I can get on board with that. I absolutely can get on board with that. Other top contenders include amazing, which again, just trite. We say that all the time and it becomes not so amazing. Gaslighting, which wasn't that the word of the year for what Merriam-Webster's dictionary or something uh, last year? And now it's on the banished words list. Quiet quitting. Let's banish that phrase. Absolutely. And irregardless, which actually isn't even a word. Irregardless. But those are the uh, banished words for uh, uh, 2023. So uh, definitely need to make sure we put that out there. Uh, let's see. And, uh, oh, we have the predictions for 2023 from Nostradamus, the famed French astrologer Michel de Nostradamus, commonly known simply as Nostradamus, who, you know, prepared a book of predictions, which he published over 450 years ago, and many people swear that a lot of these predictions have come true. Now, some of them re- reso- uh, require some creative interpretation, but some of the predictions for 2023, according to Nostradamus, a failed economy that could lead to cannibalism. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Nostradamus didn't have a whole lot of faith in humanity in 2023. A failed economy that could lead to cannibalism. The Great War of 2023, we certainly hope that doesn't happen, but I guess it could. And dry land to get drier, along with a forecast of floods. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition there. But those are some of Nostradamus's predictions, apparently, for 2023. And by the way, speaking of predictions, uh, somebody went back and uh, studied newspaper clippings from 1923, 100 years ago, to figure out what predictions made 100 years ago actually came true. And uh, visionaries did see, in our future, watch-sized radio telephones, which I guess we do have, uh, women shaving their heads voluntarily, (laughs) which, you know, some some women do do that. Um, and a wireless war, uh, a wireless war, which is, I don't know that they could have predicted it the way it actually played out, but that's, we do have kind of a wireless war. Um, one futurist in 1923 also envisioned flying from Chicago to Hamburg, Germany in 18 hours. And that flight today actually takes about half that time. So really kind of... There you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. 
I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin is fighting for his life after being injured in last night's game against the Bengals in Cincinnati. Dom Tiberi with ONN affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has details. Hamlin made a tackle on T. Higgins, stood up, and then collapsed. An ambulance was brought on the field. He received CPR. The NFL released a statement saying Hamlin was taken to UC Hospital, where he is listed in critical condition. Players from both teams were very upset, very distraught. With that in mind, the NFL has postponed the game to a later date. No word on when it might resume. I'm Dom Tiberi. In northwest Ohio, a woman is dead and a man in jail after a stabbing inside a Dollar Tree store in Upper Sandusky Sunday afternoon. Here's ONN's Ashley Bernanson. Bethel Burkle is now behind bars, charged with stabbing a 22-year-old Marion resident, Karis Rebel, with a machete multiple times. Officers found her dead inside the store and found the suspect parked in a car outside the Wyandotte County Sheriff's Office. Police say the motive remains unclear. Reporting in Upper Sandusky, Ashley Bornanson. It was a violent holiday weekend in Cleveland. Police say 14 people were shot from Friday to Monday with one fatality. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. Well, of course, labor shortages and rising costs for employers have been one of the biggest news stories of the year. And while the Employee Retention Tax Credit has billions in aid still available, a new survey reveals that that small business owners and managers largely don't know enough about the ERC to claim it. With tax season coming up and a rolling sunset deadline approaching, small businesses risk missing the window to claim this vital ERC refund. And Jay Woods is with us. He is founder and president of Omega uh, Omega Accounting Solutions. Jay, what is the ERC tax credit and why is it so important? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, so the Employee Retention Tax Credit is a government relief effort that was born out of the pandemic. And you know, essentially, if you are an employer and you are employing folks in 2020, and 2021, you could potentially claim up to $26,000 per employee. It's a pretty substantial credit. So who is eligible for this? I mean, any, any, any employer, whether you're a for-profit or a non-for-profit, there's ways um, to determine eligibility. There's paths, whether your, your revenue is down by a, a certain amount or whether you were impacted by COVID shutdown orders. Well, that's the crux of the credit is, is you know, due to the impact of COVID on businesses, they could potentially qualify uh, for these for these refunds. So we referenced this survey uh, where a lot of small business owners and managers say that they don't really know enough about it to claim it or feel comfortable claiming it. What what are some of the myths or misperceptions uh, that were revealed in that small business survey? Yeah, so when we talked to the business owners, you know, one of the things we found that was you know, nearly a third said that their, their tax or financial expert did not give them accurate information about the retention credit. Part of that is because legislation changed during the pandemic, just like the restriction. So in the beginning, you know, there were two paths created. One was the PPP, Paycheck Protection Program, administered by the banks. And the second was the employee retention credit. And you had to pick a path. And most people you know, opted to, to deal with their banker versus the IRS. And then in January of 2021, the Biden administration passed the CARES Act and essentially said, no, if, you, if you've taken PPP, you can now claim the employee retention credit. Mm. I think that just kind of, you know, that with, with the COVID hangover of having to deal with, you know, all the modifications and the, and the different, you know, government relief efforts, that just there's a little bit of a misconception and misunderstanding in the market right now. So given that, uh, what advice do you have for small businesses who want to learn more and perhaps apply for the ERC? Yeah, I think the, the first thing to know is that it's going to expire, right? You have three years to file for the credit. So, you know, that's from 2020 and from 2021. So you, you need to get going pretty quick. You got about 15 more months um, and you need to find the right provider uh, because there will be a backlog of, of getting this work out in time. 
Well, and that was uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask, and it's kind of what you alluded to earlier when you were saying that many uh, small business owners been getting uh, maybe uh, uh, incorrect information from their accountant. Is this something that any tax accountant can handle or something even that a small business owner who files their own taxes can handle, or does one need a specialist in this? You really need to be with a specialist. And, and you know, what's happening right now is the IRS issued a memo last month warning business owners about these ERC mills, which are you know, groups that have popped up in the last few years just doing this service. So you want to make sure you're with someone who's got a track record, you know, someone who's got a good, strong accounting background has been in the industry is going to be around past this program. But this is a pretty complex uh, you know, calculation and analysis. And the reality is the IRS is already finding a you know, 10% fraud rate with PPP. And so they will be audit, auditing this credit and you need to make sure you've got you know, the right firm working with you. Uh, again, one of the things that I wanted to ask, because as you well know, uh, millions of dollars available uh, in a number of tax provisions uh, go unclaimed every year. One of the reasons why is because uh, people are afraid of being audited if they take a particular credit. And uh, since you just mentioned that, let me ask that question. What should business owners know to ensure that if they do file for this, that they are protected in the event that they do get audited? Yeah, I and mean, it's a great question. I mean, I think, I think the reality here is it's, it's going to be the, the group that you select. And the way this credit works, it's you know, your revenue has to have been down by a certain percentage, and that's a pretty straightforward calculation. Mm -hmm. so if you qualify under that mm -hmm. test, it's pretty straightforward, and you, you can find a good firm to help you calculate this and get over the goal line. Now, the other path was if you were impacted by you know, shutdown orders, and the reality of the pandemic is that was a, a ever-evolving uh, you know, target. If you think about a restaurant and it had to be takeout only for a while, there was an impact. It's pretty easy to document that. But then as COVID, you know, restrictions were eased up, uh, you know, the, the orders changed. Restaurants had to go to maybe, you know, indoor dining, but only half of their seats. There's still an impact. And so you want to make sure you've selected a group who's going to help you, you know, ask those questions. They're going to substantiate that. They're going to build their analysis and, and give you a defendable case you know, for the IRS. If someone is over-promising you that, you know, because you had a pulse and you were in COVID, you're going to get this money, you're probably talking to the wrong group. So you just really want to make sure you know who you're working with. And again, uh, what are some of the other questions that small business owners should ask before deciding on a particular ERC partner? Yes, yeah, so I think I think length of, of time. How how long have you been in business? You know, where you are you just a pop up shop that came along? Do you have a history of doing tax credits and and, and working with the IRS? Um, and I think if you're a business owner, the, the real question is, if you're hearing about this for the first time, you might not have the right financial advisor or accountant. And, and do, you, do you have the right team? You know, I think that's the one thing that COVID really taught us is you know, weathering all these different changes. Did you have the right advisory group? Did you feel informed? If not, you probably need to start looking. All good stuff for small business owners and managers to know. Again, uh, Jay Woods is founder and president of Omega Accounting Solutions. Jay, thanks very much for taking the time. Real quickly, where can folks go and learn more about all of this? Yeah, they can go to omegataxcredits.com. But thank you very much for your time, Chris. Appreciate it. So to your health this morning... For a lot of families, over the course of the holiday season when you got together with uh, friends and family and you know, all of that, you might have had to adjust your menu for the holiday feast, Christmas, New Year's, because someone uh, in, in your family or someone in your circle of friends has a food allergy. Uh, we are acutely aware of that, especially this you know, time of year, the holiday season just passed because so much of our holiday celebration uh, revolves around food. So uh, we're very acutely aware of that. Um, and as we gather for the holidays, we take great care to make sure that we don't include on the menu something that might pose a health danger to a loved one, right? Well, something else to consider are food sensitivities or food intolerances. 
that may not generate an immediate response or a reaction like a food allergy. Uh, and that actually makes them much harder to detect these food sensitivities as opposed to food allergies. And joining us this morning to talk about the impact of food sensitivities on our health is Professor of Medicine and Digestive Diseases at Yale University School of Medicine, Dr. Wajahat Mihal. Dr. Mihal, how prevalent are food sensitivities and how can they impact our health? Yeah, so they are actually much more prevalent than food allergies and during the course of our life, you know, as many as 50% of us may at some point be affected by food sensitivities. Hmm. Um, and the symptoms that they can generate are often, you know, GI stomach pain, such as abdominal pain, but also there can be symptoms outside the GI system, such as arthritis and um, fatigue and headaches. So uh, this can kind of manifest itself in a number of different ways. You recently uh, conducted a study at Yale University. Uh, talk a little bit about that study and, and what it revealed about uh, food sensitivities in individuals. Absolutely. So since the symptoms can be quite some time after the food is taken, um, it's quite difficult for patients to self-identify the foods. Um, and there are a number of blood tests that are available that can guide patients. And we actually use one of the more prominent ones, the ALCAT test. And what we wanted to do was test in a clinical trial to see if the guidance from the ALCAT test can help our patients and improve their symptoms. Um, so in this blinded, randomized clinical trial uh, of patients with irritable bowel syndrome, we found actually that when patients followed the guidance from the ALCAT test, that actually have significant improvement in their GI symptoms. So talk a little bit about how uh, those testing methods help uh, individuals determine what their sensitivities are and then how they manage those sensitivities moving forward. Um, so what they do is they um, sort of take the guesswork out of the situation because they provide um, a list of items, usually about half a dozen items that um, the blood test has identified that the patient is sensitive to, um, and then the patient can work with the dietitian to improve their dietary plan such that these items are avoided. And of course, I would always encourage patients to also discuss results with their healthcare provider to come up with a good nutritional plan. I would imagine that that is an important part of the equation to just kind of underscore what you were talking about. So you get the uh, the test, and then in interpreting uh, the results of that test, obviously would want to be done uh, with a, a medical professional to uh, determine the best path forward or the best way to deal with those uh, food sensitivities moving forward. I mean, the results are actually very clear, um, and I think most patients would be able to interpret them themselves. But um, always a good idea to you know, discuss with a nutritionist and your healthcare provider. And again, uh, one of the other points that, that you made that I think is uh, important to underscore, just to emphasize this, uh, the uh, symptoms uh, resulting from a food sensitivity may not appear immediately uh, in addition to manifesting themselves in a number of different ways, as you were saying, that may not the reaction may not necessarily uh, be immediate. So it it, it may be because I can hear people say, "Well, I uh, I've never had a food sensitivity. This is not something that really affects me." Maybe you do, and you just don't realize it. Do you find that happens quite often? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and you know, uh, another way of looking at it is just to ask, you know, if somebody feels like they are in, you know, good health. I mean, because obviously one would hope that under normal circumstances, you know, most days we feel well, we feel healthy and vigorous. Um, and, you know, if that's not the case, it's possible that there may be some food sensitivities at play. Something to keep in mind, especially uh, this time of year uh, when so much of what we are doing surrounds food. Uh, this is an interesting topic. And uh, again, uh, Dr. Wajahat Mihal, Professor of Medicine Digestive Diseases at Yale University School of Medicine, talking about the impact of food sensitivities beyond uh, food allergies that we often hear about. Where do we get more information about all of this? So, you know, the detailed information on our study um, is available in the peer-reviewed journal of EMG Open Gastroenterology. Um, for non-technical information, um, you know, people can go to a website, Credi Medica, 
which has general information and also information on how to get tested. Dr. Mihal, thanks very much for uh, taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for your time. Good morning. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. And now, today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news. It was a Christmas behind bars for 55-year-old Frankie Caldwell of Clearwater, Florida. We have a little uh, postscript on the Christmas holiday here. Christmas behind bars for 55-year-old Frankie Caldwell of Clearwater, Florida, after he smashed an angel figurine into pieces over his girlfriend's head. (laughs) Grab an angel figurine. I don't know, from the uh, nativity display or something, and smashed it over his girlfriend's head. The Christmas morning gone wrong between Mr. Caldwell and his on-again, off-again girlfriend of nine years ended with the cops being called at about 7 o'clock in the morning. So 7 a.m., and they were already getting into it, while Miss Caldwell claimed that it was actually her who hit him with the ornamental decoration. Police on the scene noted in their report, that he is bald and showed no injuries on his head, while a trail of fragile figurine fragments lined the back of her dress, leading them to conclude that the scene was consistent with the victim's account of events. (laughs) Wow! I don't know what triggered that, but goodness. Speaking of uh, Christmas nonsense... The Miami Herald reports a woman was arrested on Christmas Eve after calling the cops on herself just after shooting her husband with a handgun in the afternoon. This was Christmas Eve. Officers arrived on the scene to find the man with a gunshot wound to the head. Miraculously, he was able to tell officers what happened. He said he was watching football when his wife shot him. Uh, I, I believe that my wife could probably commiserate with the uh, woman, I think this past week, well, we were both, we were both home this past week, uh, to enjoy the holidays. And I think she got a little tired of football too, but I don't think, I don't think she ever considered shooting me, but then again, (laughs) uh, let's see here. What else is, um. going on here in the uh, in the world oh this is a uh, new <laughs> a new year um, crazy story out of the UK where a doctor's office in England accidentally sent out a mass text mass text message to 8,000 patients it was supposed to wish them a happy new year but instead, told them that they were dying of cancer. (laughs) Whoops! The uh, mishap was corrected later with a text apologizing for the earlier text, which went on to say that it was sent in error, but the errant message made it to at least one patient who was actually waiting on lung cancer test results and thinking his worst fears were now reality. He called it unbelievable that they went from... You're dying to Merry Christmas in about an hour. (laughs) How does that even happen? I mean, in what universe do they actually text people to tell them that they are dying? That they have have cancer? Do they do that by text message? I mean, how cold and impersonal would that be? Uh, no word on, uh, how this uh, could have possibly happened, but I have a feeling that someone at the doctor's office is probably out of a job in 2023. <laughs> Crazy story. Uh, let's see here. Back to, uh, this side of the pond. <clears throat> a Fort Lauderdale man who was colored for shoplifting flew into a fit of rage when he discovered the doors of the store he was robbing were locked. (laughs) He had this all planned out and apparently couldn't get out because the doors were locked. Security camera surveillance footage reveals the man attempting to walk out the front door with loads of clothes draped over his arm 
and then realizing that he was trapped because the door was locked. The alleged shoplifter began kicking and banging the door and then shoved a store employee who was actually trying to unlock the door for him. (laughs) Yeah, employee apparently not realizing that he had uh, pilfered all of the clothes that he was carrying, uh, thought he was trying to be helpful and unlock the door (laughs) for him, and he got shoved out of the way. Uh, The uh, man eventually did get away with about $200 in stolen merchandise. So uh, Fort Lauderdale uh, police uh, did later uh, collar the guy. But I just thought that was that was crazy. He was so upset that he even pushed out, even shoved the store employee who was trying to unlock the door for him. Uh, speaking of uh, shoplifters, the search is on for a suspect who stole dozens of jeans, dozens of pairs of jeans from an old Navy store in New York. Authorities say the man swiped 60 pairs of jeans at the store and managed to get away with more than $1,200 in merchandise. (laughs) What I thought was humorous about this story is that uh, authorities released an image of the suspect, uh, and he is wearing a jean jacket. He's wearing a denim denim jacket. Of course he is. Uh, Officers are offering a cash reward for information leading to an arrest. And finally, in the broken news this morning, (laughs) a California woman is trying to get to the bottom of an unusual mystery after being inundated with about 100 packages at her home. About 100 packages were delivered to her home, each one containing a portable space heater, (laughs) of all things. (laughs) <laughs> randomly she she got 100 space heaters uh delivered to her home in sacramento and is it that cold <laughs> do you need 100 space heaters in sacramento um she said the mysterious packages started arriving at the beginning of december uh about two weeks before christmas she said they started coming and every day i would get One or two, sometimes even more boxes. All told, she said, uh, she told local news reporters, more than a hundred. She said, uh, one day there were seven boxes waiting on the porch. All of them containing (laughs) space eaters. Connie Matthews said the uh, packages came from multiple locations across the country, including Iowa and North Carolina. The same thing over and over again. Now, Initially, when I thought saw this, I thought, well, maybe she ordered a space heater and somehow messed up and put 100 in her shopping cart. I don't know how you wouldn't realize that when you went to check out. <laughs> Gee, that space heater is awful expensive. Um, but I, but she said she never even ordered a single portable space heater. She never ordered a space heater. She said, I don't need one, much less 100. She suspects her address may be erroneously listed as a return address for a seller of space heaters on Amazon. (laughs) Well, that, I guess, would explain it, but it's... (laughs) What do you do with all these space heaters now? There there you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. I mean, of all of the random things that you could have showing up on your doorstep, bunch of space eaters especially if you live in uh, in california where you don't really need uh space eaters <clears throat> that is today's broken news report we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming take wfin wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iphone and android and now you can listen to us on your alexa device get the app at wfin.com or in the app store or google play plus enable alexa by searching for wfin under skills and you'll soon be saying alexa play 1330 wfin and the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free on the air at 1330 wfin and 95.5 fm online at wfin.com and on your smartphone tablet and alexa devices and now your daily download the numbers behind the news and the statistics 
that shape our lives. According to a new survey by one poll, a majority of Americans appear to be optimistic that 2023 will be a better year than the one gone by. 57% are optimistic that 2023 will be a better year than 2022 was. Now, having said that, it should be pointed out that 45% shared the same sentiment going into 2022 as compared to 2021. But only 32% said that that turned out to be the case, that 2022 was better. So we go in with this optimism, doesn't always work out that way. But uh, one-third of Americans say that they had their resolutions planned out well ahead of the ball drop on uh, New Year's Eve. So we already are planning this out. One-third of Americans had this said. And uh, 21% say that they are making smaller incremental changes in the new year. 18% say they are making major changes to their lives or plan to in 2023. 28% are going within, with a mix of both. Uh, small incremental changes and major ones. So 28% doing a little bit of both. By the way, I thought this was kind of interesting. According to history.com, it was the ancient Babylonians that made the first New Year's resolutions nearly 4,000 years ago. It is also believed that they were the first group to celebrate the transition from one year to the next. So human beings have been making New Year's resolutions literally for centuries. Um, and I don't know what those ancient Babylonians were resolving to do. (laughs) I don't know what their most common New Year's resolutions were, but for 2023, the most common New Year's resolutions, according to Statista, uh, in a, uh, in their poll, they surveyed adults 18 to 89 years old from the United States and the top New Year's resolutions, number one. 52% 52% say they want to exercise more. Uh, so no big surprise there. Exercise more is number one. 50% say they want to eat healthier, but only 40% want to eat healthier with a goal of losing weight. So 40%, a lot of other people just want to eat healthier, maybe to increase their lifespan or something like that. 39% say they want to save more money. Which, again, I was actually a little surprised that that, wa- that number wasn't higher given the state of the economy going into 2023. I thought, thought that money resolutions would be higher on the list, but they're always on the list. 39% say they want to save more money. 37% say they want to spend more time with family and or friends. 20%, and again, I was kind of surprised. I thought maybe this number would be higher, but 20% say... Their goal is to spend less time on social media. Hmm. 19% want to reduce stress on the job. And another 19% say that their goal is to reduce living expenses. So a couple of money goals in there. But again, I was a little bit surprised that those resolutions, the numbers weren't a little bit higher uh, with respect to those money-related resolutions. Nonetheless... A familiar list of resolutions heading into 2023. And now to tell us what's happening in the month of January in the parks. Michelle Rumschlag is uh, with us from the uh, Hancock Park District. Michelle, Happy New Year! Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, You know, we were just talking about uh, New Year's resolutions uh, a moment ago, and a lot of folks making uh, resolutions to uh, healthier habits, uh, to reduce stress. There's a great way to do that. Get out in the parks. Get out and enjoy nature. Right. Especially, you know, I mean, the next couple of days are going to be nicer, but then it gets back to kind of, you know, cooler weather. But, right, you don't have to deal with, you know, if you don't like the extreme heat or a lot of the insects. Mm-hmm. I mean, now is definitely the time to, sure. you know, and it's, and it's not as busy. Right. So, you know, it's a great time to, yeah, to get out and just kind of, you know, One. de-stress after the holidays <laughs> and just, you know, have been cooped <laughs> up, you know. Exactly. With the holidays and get out and get some fresh air. Kind of uh, decompress after uh, all of the madness yeah. of the past month and a half or so. Uh, so what is going on in the uh, month of January? What do you got on the uh, schedule here? 
Well, if we get that cooler weather and start getting some of our snow, of course, we've got our record run ski rentals that are open on Saturdays and Sundays, but then we also start offering our beginner cross-country ski workshops, and these are available on Saturdays in January and February, Mm -hmm. so if it's not looking like snow is going to happen, hopefully we'll get some maybe the end of the month or in in February, and those are a a little different with registration. You get online and register. But you don't pay until the day of the workshop. So it's one of those where we think we might get some snow or we're not sure how a storm's going to hit. You know, this way you can pay kind of on site. Mm-hmm. But um, just want to put that out there for people that are looking forward again for, you know, snowy conditions. The, the cross country ski workshops start um, this Saturday, which probably isn't going to happen. Right. Um, but just to let everybody know, that's going to be happening Saturdays in January. And February, and those are nine to ten thirty out at uh, Shelter Three at Riverburn Recreation Area. And of so course, just to put that out there. Yeah, and and of course, the condition, conditions have to be just right. I mean, you have to have enough snow, yeah. but you can't have you know too big of a storm. Obviously, that it's uh, dangerous to be out there. Uh, and we know you know what that looks like from uh, a week or so ago. Um, so, how do folks know whether or not you will be putting one of those on on any particular weekend? I mean, so we will, you know, if people sign up, we'll definitely be in contact with you. We will okay. know Friday afternoon if we're going to get enough snow gotcha. or have enough snow for Saturday morning. Okay. I mean, there is an instance where we might get enough through the night and that everybody knows. So we're in contact with people that way. Okay. Um, and just to let everybody, you know, know when our rentals are open, um, you can always call the office. But, you know, it's it's really our Facebook page, and we try to push that out there okay. to let everybody know, like, hey, there is enough snow for this weekend that we're open. Because sometimes we don't know until until last minute. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, if, if you want to get signed up, and it looks like we might get enough snow, uh, you know, the worst we can call and say, hey, it's not going to happen this weekend type of thing. So if okay. interested, again, we need we need some, a good snow base, right. you know, more than just a few inches. Um, but go ahead and get signed up once that weather starts to look favorable for All that. All right. So uh, we'll keep that in mind. What else is going on in the uh, month of January here? Well, talking about going out and getting some fresh air, we have some different hikes that we're offering. And on Saturday, January 14th, um, we're offering a photography hike. And this is one um, we're going to be offering a few of these actually throughout the next couple of months. And these, this one will take place at Oakwood's Nature Preserve at the Discovery Center meeting um, meeting there at 9 o'clock. Um, we're gearing this for people ages 16 and up, so more of the adult age. Um, but no registration. It's free. We just need you to show up. Um, so if you've got that passion for photography or want to learn about, you know, maybe taking pictures, how to take a, you know, best shot outside on the trails. Well, yeah. We'll, you know, be kind of talking about that. So if you've got just an interest in it and want to learn more, um, Cause, We'd love to have you out. So that's Saturday the 14th at 9 o'clock. Okay, so definitely circle that on the calendar. We've, we've all seen uh, some of these great nature uh, photographs uh, on social media or maybe in the uh, photo contest uh, that you do right. and, and, and all of that. And I know myself, I've uh, thought, man, I wish I could capture those types of, of shots. They're just absolutely gorgeous. Well, this is how you learn how to do that. So. Right. And a lot of them seems like, you know, in the winter, if we get just enough to fall in snow or even ice, I mean, some of those are the best the best shots. Yeah, so, again, absolutely. that's Saturday the 14th. Okay. Um, if you just want to be out and, and hiking, um, on Sunday the 15th, we're having a woodpecker hike. This is taking place at Litzenberg Memorial Woods, meeting at the gatehouse at 2 o'clock. Again, this is for uh, gearing it toward adults, so ages 18 and up. And, you know, it's a great time of year to be looking for woodpecker holes. Um, of course, they're active year-round here in Hancock County, so it's one of the birds that we're going to see here even in the wintertime. Okay. And we'll just talk about them. And so that'll be taking place again at 2 o'clock, meet at the gatehouse on Sunday the 15th. All right. Uh, anything else to uh, highlight for the month ahead? Well, and uh, for all ages, um, out at, again at the Discovery Center on Sunday, January 22nd, we're having our Discovery Center monthly open house, and it's going to be on Ohio Winter's Birds. So, again, we'll have some information about woodpeckers, but really about what birds can you see here in the wintertime, why are they there and others migrate, um, we'll have some recipes on making your own suet cakes, 
setting up, you know, your own bird feeders. And, of course, we'll have um, our, our bird feeders filled, and so you'll be able to see, you know, hopefully we'll have a lot of activity happening. And so that Sunday, January 22nd, Ohio's winter birds from 1 to 4 at the Discovery Center. All right. Uh, and, and by the way, just a, a quick story. Uh, I, I inadvertently uh, put a, a bird feeder out in my yard. Uh, I noticed yesterday all the birds where we have this patch in our backyard where we planted some grass seed because we had some had some bare spots. And uh, it hadn't taken to seed. You know, we, planted, we put it all down late in the fall and it hadn't taken out. The birds were helping themselves. Right, <laughs> they were all well, gathered. And with the cold, you know, the, the, the cold weather we had around Christmas. <laughs> so I mean, you know, they're you know they kind of sense when things are happening weather wise. Yeah. And so you know, it's whatever I, the, they can, <laughs> whatever they know, can get. They, they have to eat continuously just to keep up that. Body oh, absolutely. To, to, Ab- to stay warm. Absolutely, so I told. That was their food source today. I told, I told my wife, I said, well, it looks like we're going to have to replant the grass at the same spot in the spring. You those birds survive, Chris. <laughs> but, but, we help, but we help the birds. So that, uh, Again, Michelle Rumschlag with the uh, Hancock Park District talking about uh, things that are coming up in the month of January. Still a great time to uh, get out into the great outdoors. And you've got more information about all of these happenings and many, many more uh, at your website and uh, on social media, right? Right. right, so HancockParks.com, we have our full winter schedule, so not of only all of January, but through February. And then on Facebook, just look for Hancock Park District. And Jamie's great with getting um, reminders on there. So if you're on there and, and, you know, don't want to visit the website often, stuff, she puts event reminders on there. So you're reminded about all the things that are kind of happening in the park. So uh, follow the uh, Hancock Park District on uh, social media. And uh, we'll mention again, I think we mentioned this last month, uh, especially for those who now are starting to already think toward uh, spring and, and summer warmer weather. Uh, it's never too early to start planning for things like family reunions and you know family gatherings in the park if uh, you have something coming up and you want to reserve a, a shelter a house or uh, something like that uh, you can do that right. right now right and so right the, the Bergerman Lodge all of our shelters but just want to put something out there we're going to be doing some work out at Litzenberg this summer okay so there's going to be some repaving so the shelter and the activity barn um, and maybe you've already tried to gotten on there to try to book something. It's not going to be available mm. um, after June 1st just because we're going to be doing, again, some kind of concrete work okay. out there and getting everything repaved. So, so unfortunately, um, for the limited. summer and the fall right now, we've got that blocked out until everything's finished with that project. Some so month. just putting that out there. Uh, but, yeah, don't delay if you know you want something this summer or fall, especially on a Saturday at Riverman. I would get that book now. Yeah. Uh, so limited availability at Litzenberg, too. Good to know. Michelle, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Again, Happy New Year. And again, uh, we've got a link up on our webpage, as always, for uh, more information about uh, all of those uh, happenings of the Hancock Park District. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program today. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Head on over to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow morning, just when you thought you couldn't learn anything more shocking about the atrocities of the Nazis, a new historical novel brings to light a real-life breeding program reminiscent of The Handmaid's Tale. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. I'll catch you back here tomorrow.